0: welcome back to the podcast i'm sorry for my late post i'm playing a little bit of catch up this week but uh, i'm excited about this series of uh, rediscovering biblical hope and last week we established that you know god's intention is not to destroy the earth to where it disappears but god believed this creation to be good and that god plans to restore this good creation and so Uh, There's lots of imagery throughout the Bible about the new heavens and new earth, the old heavens and old earth passing away, uh, that God's kingdom would 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 reign here on earth as it is in heaven and that the church uh, plays a vital role in partnering with God to cultivate a new creation, that we live as witnesses to what God is doing in the world because it's already begun in us. And so this shifts, uh, this week we're shifting to a focus on what actually happens to us after we die um, because that that shapes how we understand who we're called to be today. And so I want to... Um, I'm going to dive in. Uh, I'm not going to dive in too deep on the podcast, but I want to point you in the direction of some questions to wrestle with as you dive in deep this week into what the Bible says about the afterlife. So I'm going to go to some passages. Uh, I'll read them for you since I realize some of you are doing your dishes right now or you're driving and you can't pause to go read it yourself. Uh, I'm going to read some passages uh, for us to kind of wrestle with and... Um, and see what, see what maybe is going on here regarding the resurrection. Now, I would like to read all of 1 Corinthians 15, but I won't because this will become a very long podcast. But I want to hit some highlights here. Uh, In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is making an argument for the resurrection. He begins by saying, let me remind you of the gospel, the gospel that I preached to you, that you received and on which you have taken your stand. and It is by this gospel that you are saved. Uh, When I think of the gospel, uh, what I often hear being said about the gospel is Jesus died to save you of your sins so that your soul can go to heaven when you die. And I want to see, is that, is that what Paul is talking about here? Now, I do want to stop and say, yes, that is part of the gospel. But the gospel is doing so much more for this world and for for people. And so let's get back to what the biblical hope is here. So Paul says, let me remind you of the gospel. He talks about Jesus dying, but, but he then spends all of his time talking about Jesus raising from the dead. And so, um, let's skip down to First Corinthians fifteen, verse twelve. I'm going to read this little section, and then I'll unpack it a little bit. It says, "But if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead?" So he's addressing this question of there are people in the church who are saying the resurrection rising to life to new life that's just ridiculous everyone knows that when you die you stay dead and we know that today and we knew that uh they knew that back in the ancient world people when they die they stay dead so what happened to jesus is something completely new that this is not some sort of resuscitation this is a new life that he's been raised to and so paul says how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead if you're saying that uh, verse 13 says if there is no resurrection of the dead then not even christ has been raised and if christ has not been raised our preaching is useless and so is your faith more than that we are then found to be false witnesses about god for we have testified about god that he raised christ from the dead we are of all people most to be pitied. Okay, so what he says here is when you look at Jesus, you see what's going to happen to us. And if you don't believe that resurrection is going to happen to us, then you don't believe that Christ was resurrected. And so I ask the question, uh, in verse 20 he then says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So Jesus is the prototype, the first fruit. He is the uh, the one we look to to say, here's what's going to happen to us. And so uh, when I look at what I grew up believing, I think about a cartoon I watched as a kid. And, and I can't remember if it was Tom and Jerry or if it was some uh, Looney Tunes thing but or a combination of all these things in my head. But character gets hit hit by an anvil that would have been looney tunes but you know gets hit by something or something happens they fall over and then a ghostly version of themselves wearing a white robe wielding a harp they have a halo on their head and they have wings on their back they then float up from their body and then drift off to the blue yonder and that shaped a lot of my understanding of the afterlife, that when your physical body dies, your spirit leaves your body and goes to sit on a cloud somewhere. And as I started studying scripture on a deeper level, as I started being challenged more and more to study scripture and to understand the first century world, what the Jewish hope was, what what the beliefs of the day were in uh, in Greek philosophy, I started realizing that's actually not in the Bible. That, that's actually Plato. You know, and Plato believes um, Plato used to teach that there was an immortal soul that existed before your body and then exists after your body and your body is temporal. And the goal of this life is to, um, to get away from this body. Uh, that's actually not biblical. What, so when you wonder, okay well what happens to your body? Uh, what what part of you goes to heaven when you die, um, or let me ask it this way: when when you think about when everything is done, and God redeems this creation, what will rise from the dead? And if you if you're thinking about this, you got to think about what happened to Jesus. Okay, so here's a question to wrestle with: if it was only Jesus' soul that raised from his body, would the tomb be empty? Uh, if it was only his soul that raised from his body, when the 500 plus people saw Jesus, would he have been able to eat? Would they have been able to touch him? Would they have been able to uh, hug him? If it was only his soul that left his body, has death actually been Conquered, because uh, you know Paul goes on to talk about the resurrection, that the the final enemy to be destroyed. This is verse twenty six. The final enemy to be destroyed is death, and that when Christ was resurrected, he didn't come back to life. He came through death on the other side, conquering death and coming into new life. Um, and so this is why. Uh, we have hope because what God began to do in Jesus Christ through the resurrection, he has promised for us. Uh, and you go to the latter part of chapter 15 uh, where it talks about the resurrected body that uh, basically what, what goes into the ground is perishable will be raised imperishable. Uh, that you're not going to become something different, but you're going to become something more full. Uh, and this is this is kind of hard to get our mind around, and you kind of realize really quick that the writers of the New Testament don't have language to explain what's happened in Jesus because this is something new. Uh, one of the images that Paul continues to use throughout this section is the the first Adam, the one who got it wrong, the one who gave us our natural what we would call our natural bodies. Uh, he he got it wrong. He pursued his own will and he rejected God. But the new Adam, the one who spiritualizes our bodies, the one who breathes the spirit back into our bodies to make them whole as God intended for them to be whole, uh, this is the Christ. And so he he has this idea, this imagery of Jesus being this new Adam. And this idea of being a new Adam, uh, He's pointing to a new creation and the new creation needs a new Adam. And we are then given the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this down payment is the resurrection begins in us through the Holy Spirit that we are becoming spiritualized beings. Uh, beings that are, are illuminated by the Spirit so that um, so we are living out the new creation here and now as we expect it to come. And this idea that we are not full beings now, we are anticipating our fullness. Uh, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 1, he says, For we know that the earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Um, and this, I, this is imagery he's using of what you have on right now, this is just a tent. This is not a permanent dwelling. And so when you think about the, the physical, the permanence of the physical life, uh, this is actually just, if there's anything that's a shadow, it's actually the life we're in right now. Because fullness will come with this, this house that God is bringing out of heaven down to earth. Uh, and so in chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, 1 through 10, go and read this. Uh, let me just go ahead and read it. Second Corinthians chapter 5, uh, starting verse one, it says, "For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because we are, uh, when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed said with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for his very purpose is God, for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, uh, we will always be confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. Uh, and so this is, this is talking about right now when we invest in being comfortable in this life and we fight tooth and nail to be comfortable in this life, We're investing in all the wrong things. What Paul is saying is because of the resurrection, we invest in the things that are to come, the the things that have permanence, the things that will last forever. And so uh, this is what it means to live in the spirit, is to live in the future reality that is to come in the resurrection of the dead. And then he goes on in the second half of this chapter to talk about we are to be about the ministry of reconciliation, that we are to uh, in every person, everything, every ounce of this creation. We, we find the goodness of God in every person and we, we then love that goodness of God into existence. We breathe life in, into that goodness of God we find in each person and we bring them to fullness through the spirit. That you know, Part of that is reconciliation of sin, but maybe we don't start with the uh, getting people to deal with their sin first and foremost, but we get them to deal with the image of God placed in them first and foremost. That, that we, we find the goodness in them and we, and we breathe life into that goodness rather than trying to uh, be sin managers of people. And again, we have to deal with sin, but maybe that's not always the starting point. Uh, One final passage I want to look at is, as we look at the resurrection, there's one passage that always comes up, um, and there's a bunch of other passages for us to look at, but uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting verse 13, um, I want us to, I want to challenge our paradigm a little bit, because we need to get back to the you know what the early church believed about this stuff. Um, a lot of our beliefs came from the medieval uh, era, came from the re- uh, the rest uh, the Reformation in the 16th century, um, and have come from you know not getting back to the first century biblical context and the world that it was talked about, but but getting um, we've gotten away from all that. Uh, we, we've developed uh, an escapist ra- uh, rapture theology where it's all about leaving this earth. And that just doesn't seem to be what's going on in Scripture. But here's one of the main Scriptures that we have to wrestle with uh, in this mindset. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13, it said, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that uh, we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, all uh, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Okay, so there's a couple questions I have in this passage. I want to challenge our assumptions. Um, First off, where is heaven? Um, We like to think that heaven is up, but what does that mean for people on the other side of the earth? And then I I asked this question of of my college freshmen, you know, 8 a.m. on their first day of school. And one guy said, well, heaven is, you know, beyond the expanses of the universe and I said well you know we've, we've discovered that the universe is expanding so are we pushing heaven further and further away uh, what if heaven is not a place but a reality where God reigns um, I, I believe what the Bible is showing us in in the creation is that heaven and earth That the physical and the spiritual existence was perfectly together in unity. That you could walk and talk with God in the garden. And sin separated the realities of the physical and the spiritual in a way that we can't see the spiritual around us. And so God had to set up places where we went to meet him in the temple and the tabernacle. And you see these manifestations of God, where heaven and earth come together as His presence is made known. And this is all throughout Scripture. And and so um, the ancient world they categorized things like heaven and hell as up and down, but but I think we realize that that's not that's not a literal reality. But heaven is the reality of God's presence, and if. If God's presence is not there, it is not heaven. Um, and so this idea of you know Jesus ascends to heaven, well again, what happened to his physical body? That's that's a different discussion. But I, I want to also uh, give some framework to this in the view of the ancient world. When a king is has left his kingdom, and he's gone off. Uh, whether to battle or to make trade or whatever it is. But when the king has left, the watchman looks for the king to come. And as they see the king off on the horizon, they see the the, fla- the flags flying as the king is coming down the road, they sound the trumpet to alert everyone in the city that the king is returning to his kingdom. And then everyone leaves the city to parade, to meet the the king on the road, and then to parade him back to his kingdom. Uh, This is the imagery that Paul is using here with the Thessalonians. And I I want to maybe challenge some assumptions here. We go up into the air to to meet Jesus, because that's where Jesus went in his ascension. Um, But it doesn't tell us which direction we go from there. Uh, heaven, you know, he's coming down out of heaven, but it doesn't say that he then goes back up. And, but it also doesn't say he comes back down. Uh, when you look at uh, the imagery of Revelation 21, uh, I'm go read 21 and 22, but the, the, the imagery here is the new Jerusalem is coming down. Uh, God is coming down to live in the new Jerusalem, to be with his people where all things are made new uh heaven is coming down uh, the the prayer of Jesus is you know our father in heaven holy is your name your kingdom come your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven and so when when the trajectory of scripture is to restore god's good creation back to its goodness the direction every everybody is going is down to the earth down to the earth down to the earth Because the earth is what God created to be the place where he dwelt with his people and his creation. And so if God is restoring all things to be new again, God is going to come back to redeem those things to be new. And so when we we meet Jesus in the air, it's to then bring him back to his kingdom. Uh, Think on that. You don't have to agree with me. But and I would love uh, I'd love to hear your views on that, and because this is challenging. Um, also, the you may be thinking of the the rapture passages or what we call the rapture passages in Matthew, and I'm drawing a blank where those are right now. But it says where there's two in a field, uh, one will be taken, the other will be left behind, and there's a whole book series called the Left Behind series, and. Um, the assumption there in the books are that to be taken is good and to be left behind is bad, but it's actually right the opposite in Scripture. Uh, when you read the passage uh, before that in Matthew, it, it talks about uh, Noah and the ark, that the um, the evil of the earth is taken by the flood, and who's left behind the righteous. Noah and his family, so it'll be in the coming of the Son of Man. Two will be in a field, one will be taken, the other will be left behind. Uh, In Jewish thought, um, taken is always a negative thing. Taken is, you're taken into exile, you're taken into captivity. Uh, So being left behind is actually a good thing um, in the Jewish first century context. Uh, So, we gotta, you gotta re- reorient and 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 shift the paradigm to what is the resurrection. Uh, if we have bodies that are going to be illuminated by the spirit, what does that mean for us today, as people of the spirit? Uh, what does that mean for how we invest in this current world? That that if God's going to take care of the birds of the air, how's He going to take care of us? Um, What we see in Jesus is what we anticipate for ourselves, the hope that we have in the resurrection, that we won't go back to our best existence here on earth, but we will go into something completely new, um, something better, something more natural. Uh, I I love this quote from C.S. Lewis, and I'll end with this. It's not that you're merely human. It's actually that you're not human enough. And it's in the resurrection, being people of the spirit, that we find our true humanity. And we continue to cultivate the spirit to bring out that true humanity in us until it's fully realized in the resurrection. Folks, let's be human together.